Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some stories are profound, challenging, and even emotional, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. All of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with a bottom line being that God is good. Now, we'd probably all agree that parenting is challenging. Add in multiple children diagnosed with ADHD, and some days you may feel like your home is a circus. Today, you'll hear from Amy as she shares God's strategy for her family when her journey of motherhood didn't go quite as planned. Here she is. I'm not sure what I'm going to say either. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I actually wrote it down because if y'all know me, I'm super stream of consciousness and I might get on one tangent one day and then the next time you talk to me, I'm talking about something different. So I actually wrote down almost every word because I don't trust my memory to actually stay on point and cover uh, what I feel like would be the most helpful and encouraging. But um, I have two disclaimers. First, I'm a horrible storyteller. You just have to know this. I come from a long line of awesome storytellers, one of whom is my sister, who's sitting right there, Julie. (laughs) And my dad, our dad is an awesome storyteller. And I was actually texting him and I was like, oh gosh, I have to like talk for 30 minutes straight. I do better in conversation or interview style. And, um, and he was like giving me some pointers and I was like, yeah, that's the problem. I go straight to the punchline every time. Like I'm just, I'm just not a good storyteller. So, um, just bear with me as I, um, just kind of share what, what God's doing. And then the second thing is that y'all will crack up. So those people that know me well are going to like roll their eyes, but so I have a lazy eye. And so if you're really close to me, you don't notice it. And if you're really far away, you don't notice it, but this is like the most awkward distance. Because I only use one eye at a time. It's weird. It's complicated. But so if I, if you think I'm looking at you, I may or may not be looking at you. I'm not like trying to like hone in on you and like convict you of anything. I promise. Um, but, um, but anyway, I am super excited to be here. I read a book this past year, which is going to make it sound like I read. I really don't read or complete that many books ever lately. So that sounds much more grandiose than it actually is. I ordered it at Christmas, probably noticed it at spring break, picked it up sometime this summer. And by God's grace, I happened to finish it. So, um, it's a book by a girl named Shannon Martin and it's called falling free, embracing the life I never wanted. And there's one quote in that book, Robin and I have actually talked about this quote, um, that says, vulnerability is the glue of community. And it's with that that we open this morning, that when we kind of share where we're coming from, it builds community because people realize they're not alone in their circumstance, even though it might look different, they... um, you can find camaraderie, and that is so beautiful. And I love gathering, especially in settings like this, to hear what God's doing because it's kind of like a steroid shot of truth, and it can propel you into whatever comes next week, next month. And there's oftentimes I'll simmer back on what someone shared, a verse or a story or something, and it it gives me what I like to call a steroid shot of truth. So hopefully um, 
that will happen this morning. And my particular story is more ongoing. It's not one event necessarily, but it's an ongoing set of circumstances that I wouldn't have chosen and that I still wouldn't choose. Even last night and this morning, I was like rolling my eyes. Like I asked my kids, I said, I told them I was going to be talking about and here I am like the punchline, but they, one of them has ADHD or a couple of them have ADHD. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to be sharing about that. And one of my kids goes, yeah, tell them it makes you mean. I was like, <laughs> so there it is. Um, but just living in this tension <clears throat> that often we live in of truth that we know and then circumstances that we wouldn't choose and living in that tension therein is faith because you have to walk through something that you don't, um, you can't see, you don't know if it's, when it's going to end or how it's going to end or if it's going to be resolved. So, um, that's kind of what I want us to do this morning is just to learn um, what that looks like. And my husband and I actually for several years volunteered at our church with the children's ministry. And once a month, the curriculum was called remember and celebrate. And we would remind the children of God's truth, what God had done, and then we'd have a big celebration party. Sometimes it included confetti, sometimes it was candy, but it was teaching them to celebrate God's faithfulness. And this morning, I want, um, as I'm sharing, just maybe encourage everyone to just remember maybe a time that God has been faithful to you, or especially if your circumstances are such that you... It's hard to feel that, um, and then we'll celebrate that. Um, just celebrate that, just his faithfulness, because that is um, what gives us hope and encouragement is his faithfulness. Well, as um, as I start, it's I'm going to give you a quick history because I know some of you, but I don't know others, and so. I am absolutely not from here. I am from about as far away as you can get from the South. I was born in Michigan, which if you've ever, I don't know if you're familiar with Michigan, but it looks like a mitten. And so we were born and raised in where the pinky is on the mitten. So it's right on the edge where um, Lake Michigan is. It's beautiful. People vacation there. I'm not sure why, because it's really cold. (laughs) Um, Very, very, very cold. But... um, We moved to Alabama when um, I was about to start seventh grade, and that was in 1988. Um, My dad was, at the time, a music minister, and so we came to Birmingham, and our church had a bookstore. So I walked in the bookstore, and I was trying to find something to decorate my room, my new room, and there was this cute little elephant in the bookstore, and I was like... That's so odd. Why do they have an elephant in the church bookstore? And so it took me about like a week to figure out what that elephant represented. Because not being from the South, I had no idea that that elephant was a University of Alabama elephant. And so it didn't have any markings on it or anything. So that was kind of our first introduction to anything SEC. Like, because if you're anybody's from the North, there's just not, it's a totally different environment. So my sisters and I quickly adapted, and people would ask us to talk. I don't know if they did that to you. Did they do that to you? Oh, yeah, they did. They would ask us to talk because we sounded so strange because we were from the north. And so we quickly adapted and switched out our you guys and our milk. Well, we still joke about that. If you're going to buy milk, it's milk instead of milk. So I still te- we still tease about that. But um, 
and we adapted and did y'all and sweet tea and all the fun stuff that comes with um, with the South. So I went to Simmons Middle School and then Barry High School, go Bucks, and then went to Samford. <clears throat> and I love, love, loved Samford mainly because I grew up in a Christian home. My family, um, my dad was in ministry and they told us about Jesus since we were bitty. And I knew that Jesus loved me and died for my son and he was the only way to heaven. And I, um, wanted to, from a young age, do some kind of ministry. And so Sanford offered that in a degree, which they don't even have it anymore. (laughs) $60,000 for a degree that no longer exists. (laughs) Um, But it was called the study of church life. And while I was at Sanford, there was a girl there who discipled me. And I'd never had that before where someone took an interest. I mean, we had in high school, we had kind of organized groups, but not where someone just kind of out of the blue said, Hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to encourage you. I want to live life with you, um, with no other agenda other than just let me encourage you. So the girl that discipled me, she was in my sorority and she kind of just really taught me what it's like to walk with someone and love someone and encourage someone. And she and her husband were going to seminary out in Texas. And at the time, the campus um, student ministries director at Stanford had gone to seminary in Texas also. So there was kind of a group of us that went out to Texas to seminary after graduation. Um, And I was out in Texas for three years and got my master's of Christian education. And after I graduated, I came back to Birmingham and started working at the church I'd worked at in college and in high school um, with their children's ministry. <clears throat> so, or I'm sorry, in college and high school, I worked with the children. But when I came back in 2001, I worked with the graduates in career ministry, which is like right out of college, like millennials, essentially. But they weren't millennials then. They were just like right out of college. Um, <laughs> so it was interesting because... I'm kind of, you know, breezing over a lot of things in my childhood and early, um, early adulthood so that I can spend time on what God's been doing most recently. But I did meet my now husband, um, in 2001, when I came on staff, they said with the young twenties ministry, they were like, you can't date anybody in the class. Cause that could be a little weird if like you're trying to like reach out to the girls and then like you're all dating the same guys. And so, so I agreed to that. And then like not long after I was like, Oh, I really like talking to this guy and I thought he was really boring at first. And then the more I got to know, if you know him, he's just very stoic until you get to know him and then he's really fun. But, um, anyway, and so I was trying to figure out like how to get, get around him more. And so I was like, you better sign up. We're having this ski trip. You better sign up. And so he was like the first one to sign up. <laughs> I tried to like get him there and he asked out somebody else on the ski trip. Her name was Amy, but it was a different Amy, but, um, <laughs> But anyway, our 15-year anniversary is in um, March, so it clearly worked out, and uh, we have four kids. We have um, boy, boy, girl, and then baby boy, and we've gone through a couple dogs lately, and... I'll tell y'all more about that later. And one of them includes a lawsuit of uh, our dog that bit the mailman, but that's another story. But, um, 
and we've had fish and hermit crabs, and, and actually our hermit crabs are for sale for $15. <laughs> if anyone wants, wants two hermit crabs with an ice cage and food. My fourth grader wanted me to tell you all that, that they are for sale. <laughs> and so we, um, but right before I left staff, so I worked for five years with the Young 20s ministry, and right when I left staff, my boss took my husband and I out to lunch and said something that at the time seemed very innocuous, like not very important. And now it's come to really ring true. And he said to hold loosely the expectations you have of your children. Uh, and I kind of thought he meant like physically, like I've always wanted curly hair. Anybody that knows me knows that I've always wanted curly hair. And, um, it's clearly not curly. And I thought, Oh, I'm never going to have a curly haired child. That's what he's talking about. Like my dream of having like these beautiful locks on these kids hair, you see, that's just dreamy. And of course all my kids have bored straight hair, but, um, that must be what he meant. But as I've, you know, had the children are getting older, you know, now I know he means to hold loosely the expectation of who they will be. And they might, have weaknesses you didn't expect, strengths you didn't expect. They might be taller than you thought, shorter than you thought, bigger than you thought, smaller than you thought. You know, their temperament might be something you don't understand, but just to hold loosely those expectations. And um, so we had our, our first son in 2006, and then in 2007 we had another son. And I don't recommend sons that quickly back to back. It's a lot of energy. Um, 2006, 2007, and 2010, we had our daughter. And things were just kind of going along. I loved being a mom from the standpoint of I loved um, the adventures we had. I didn't really like staying home, per se. Um, I wasn't really a stay-at-home in the house mom. I was more of a stay on the go, go do fun things every day to get out of the house. And so we would do everything under the sun. We did the zoo, the McWayne, play dates, the library. You know, we were always on the go. And it was, we would just look like any other family when the boys were like three, four, five, um, sort of. And then as they got a little bit older, I started noticing gaps. Um, we weren't getting the same results with discipline and training and routine and time put in to, to teach, a you know, this is what our routine is at night, or this is what our routine is in the morning. And, you know, we would, we were constantly, um, kind of looking more like the toddler zone with their ability to remember those things, do those things, have control of their emotions, um, waiting, listening, um, I'm trying to, I've made a list of stuff, being able to follow a set of multiple directions, you know, by the time you're seven, eight, you should be able to do ABC and most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And a lot also just emotional outbursts and inability to control your emotions. And, you know, every child has a component of that for sure. And, um, that's what makes this hard is because the degree to which it was happening is the difference. It it wasn't that things like that were occurring, but there was this invisible struggle that I couldn't necessarily articulate. And sometimes it would mimic just being undisciplined or, being bratty or, you know, you could chalk it up to, oh, they're whatever, they're five. They, kids do that. And I'm like, well, really, by the time you're eight or seven, you should probably have not 
been responding this way still like a two-year-old would. And sometimes I felt crazy and it's very hard to articulate, but it starts to chip away at, especially if you're a high achiever, like I was, or I guess am want to be, it chips away at your competency and your confidence as a mother. Because like, we, we always joke, like, you have one job. Like, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I have one job and that's to be their mother. Like, how am I, how is it not working? Like how hard, you know, this is my one thing I'm supposed to be doing. And it's like an epic failure. Um, and so it really tapped into my pride and my, um, I started really just getting angry. I was mad. I didn't understand. I was depressed. I was, I'd get anxiety if we were going to go somewhere. Cause I knew, you know, potentially there could be things would just look very different than it would look if I was with other eight, those same age kids. Like our kids might throw something or, um, when they're old enough to know not to do that or yell or it's, you know, if you've ever been around a child that has ADHD, especially if they're unmedicated, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, and if you haven't, you will, (laughs) (laughs) or just come over about five o'clock to my house. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that I, this is just this big invisible thing that my husband and I didn't really understand how to fix or how to help. And I didn't really, I, you know, I'd done tons of children's ministry growing up. I'd babysat since I was in fifth grade. I thought I'd seen every kind of kid and I, I didn't have any brothers. So part of it was like, oh, that's just boys, you know, and part of it is part of it is for sure. But like I said, it's the degree and frequency and intensity of it that is different. So I was, you know, I cried and I prayed and I begged God for help. I just didn't really understand. I knew there was no like serious life-threatening issue. It was just more of a constant um, failure and not knowing what to do. And if you've ever had a parental issue, even if it's a discipline thing and you're like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. It's like the worst feeling because you just need a plan, you know, and it's not always, there's not always like a hard and fast plan. And until this point, things in my life had kind of worked in a formula, like A plus B equals C, you know, I would study for the test. I'd get a good grade. I would run for this. I would get elected. Not that I never didn't get something, but you know what I mean? Like all of us in this room can probably identify. We live in a a time in which we had good education and good resources and, you know, just a blessing of being able to kind of fix our life how we want it on a lot of levels. And um, <clears throat> this was not even like A plus B was like not even, it certainly wasn't equaling C as far as our kids developing and maturing and things like that. But, but we weren't even like in the alphabet. I was like, like people would look at me and, and I know they just have that look like what is happening when they're having a fit or something. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't, I don't know. I mean, got any ideas? I mean, (laughs) and, um, like I remember one time very vividly, we were in the lobby of our school at elementary school. It was after a program and, and our child, um, who before he was diagnosed, we didn't really know what was going on. And he took his backpack and was like, like throwing it and like stomping it down. And I mean, just ate all out what you would imagine a two or three year old to do. And he was not two or three. It's much older. And I remember just like, I think I'm sure somebody here was with me. And I was just like catatonically like staring. Like I was like, I don't even know what to do. I don't know. I'm all out of, I'm all out of, you know, I'm out of anger. I'm out of effort. I'm, you know, I just don't know what to do. So the most beautiful thing and the thing I want you to remember is that 
<clears throat> is the name of God that is El Roy. I don't know if you've ever studied the names of God, but there's various times in scripture when God reveals a part of himself. And in Genesis 16, the name El Roy, E-L-R-O-I, is the God who sees. And that's part of the amazing thing about him is that he sees everything all the time. And in Genesis 16, this story is of Abraham and Sarah, and God had promised them children, and Sarah was too old, couldn't have children. So she gave her servant Hagar to Abraham to try to have children, to carry on their their name. And once Hagar got pregnant, Sarah got resentful and jealous and was ugly to her and kind of banished her. So here Hagar is out in the desert. She's alone. She's isolated. She's humiliated and she feels forgotten. And, and, um, and scripture says that the angel of the Lord came to her and that name of God is El Roy because he sees, because God sees and he heard her cry. And so after probably I would say, This was when our oldest was in second grade. So when he was eight, after praying and trying to figure out what was going on with these these wild hoodlums, um, in 2013, we were at our son's second grade conference, and the teacher was very delicately alluding to um, symptoms of what we now know were ADHD. But, you know, they can't say that for one reason or another. And so my husband and I were like... Oh, you're talking about ADHD. Yes, this is this makes sense. And it just all these pieces kind of came together. It was like, you know, if, if any of you wear glasses and, you know, they put those little things on your eyes to like get your prescription and you're like, yes, I can see like that's it right there. If you don't wear glasses, you will eventually probably. So <laughs> just give yourself about five years. Um, but you suddenly can see. And that's what it felt like. It felt like we had, you know, asked the Lord for help and direction. And although this was not something that was life-threatening it it was ongoing and it was chipping away at even what I had in my mind what our home would look like and the, the atmosphere of our home was tense and stressful and exhausting and it just wasn't what I envisioned and um so this invisible problem uh was seen and God heard and he answered and he provided help. And we went through a long road of diagnosis. Um, just my personality, I wanted to like uncover every stone and every option to make sure, make sure, make sure it was legitimate. And, you know, cause I'm super skeptical of medical things sometimes. And so I'm like, is this even legitimate? Like, is, you know, and so I called one of my best friends, her dad's a pediatrician. She's here. And um, it's Heather. And um, <clears throat> and she, I was like, ask your dad if this is legit. Like, ask if, like, ADHD is, like, really a thing or if it's just what people say when their child is, like, just acting crazy. And and so he, you know, of course, he was like, yes, it's very legitimate. And <clears throat> so we got a diagnosis for our older son and quickly realized, oh, that's what's wrong with the next one. And <laughs> we didn't go any further past that, I'll just say. We've just stopped at those. Um, but <clears throat> not because it's not the case. We just, that's all I can process right now, but, um, cause we have two other ones, but uh, simultaneously, if any of you've had a child that has any struggle, whether, even if it's like a physical thing that they're not quite up to par or anything, there's like a simultaneous grief and relief because you have relief that there is now 
your your invisible problem now is not is visible but then there's this grief of like okay now this is my new normal and this is my it's gonna like always be like this and you can't fix it and you can help and you know make progress but it won't ever go away and um a lot of adults do outgrow the symptoms but this degree to which especially our oldest exhibits the symptoms it's unlikely that it will completely go away um and there's so there's been about a four-year journey, and we've – I don't know if you – have you all ever seen that movie Groundhog Day? Oh, Punk Satani Phil. So awesome. And if you've never seen the movie, this guy, like, wakes up every day, and it's, like, the same day over and over and over and over. And so, if you, you know, if you, when you, if you can remember back to when your children were toddlers, or if you have toddlers, you wake up, and, like, every day is the same – like over and over. And it's like that with ADHD kids because you have to repeat and remind all the time. And most of the time, they don't, I mean, they're not necessarily trying to ignore you or forget. That's just how their brain is. And um, so, and a lot of times their issue is a company, it has a secondary struggle also, like anxiety or OCD or autism or. It's a variety of things that typically accompany ADHD, not always, but can. So a couple of our kids have had anxiety, um, and I, 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 we have chosen to medicate because for the stability and temperature of our home, that's best for us. <clears throat> but I know for a lot of people, they choose a different route, and that's totally fine. We... Um, I would say, you know, I was talking with a friend this morning. And we were, I was saying, you know, I wouldn't choose to medicate. I don't want them to have to take medicine, but they do. And it, it is um, astounding, the difference. Um, especially, like I said, come around when it wears off. <laughs> if you want to see, it's a good clinical trial. If you're not, if you're skeptical. Um, <laughs> but, um, but basically, it's just, <clears throat> essentially, there's a daily fight to... Uh, trust in God's goodness and um, that he didn't look away when he formed um, the brain of our kids. And it wasn't a, you know, he didn't blink or he didn't forget to finish what he was doing, but that, you know, Psalm 139 beautifully states the, you know, the comprehensive factor that he was involved even before they were born and knew exactly how they were going to be. And so I think <clears throat> as moms, you know, we want everything to be so easy for our kids. And especially in our day and age, any kind of struggle, any kind of hardship is, you know, is easily fixed a lot of times. And so if there's something that can't be fixed, it can be very frustrating because it seems like everyone else can fix the problem. <clears throat> and it requires just a, a daily fight to believe truth. But I just want to encourage you of, you know, Elroy, the God who sees. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is um, related to this is in Matthew 14, when Jesus sends the disciples, he had fed the 5,000, this amazing miracle. And he sends his disciples, which were like his, you know, closest friends. He sends them on ahead on a boat and he says, I'll be right there. Y'all go on ahead. I'm gonna, and he went and prayed. So he sends them on the Sea of Galilee on this boat, and a storm comes up. And it was such a big storm, they were terrified. And <clears throat> it reminds me just of a lot of times our circumstances, it seems like, why would God send me into the storm? Like, I don't, why, I don't understand this. But 
that was his plan. And, and he intentionally and specifically sent them out on the boat alone without him into the storm. But when it, when it started, when the storm came, he was there and he met them there. And that's how he is with us. When we have a storm, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, financial, whatever it is, he meets us and he, um, he sees and he meets us. And I want to offer hope to whatever part of your family or marriage or kids or job, whatever part of your life is broken in an ongoing way and, and, and you can't fix it. I just want to offer you, um, the hope that, um, that Jesus is near and he sees and he has a plan. And I, I'm happy to talk later with anybody. If y'all have a friend, a friend, you know, (laughs) I've heard of somebody whose kids, you know, I always love those questions. Like, well, my friend said, um, I'm happy to talk with anybody about more details about the specifics of our situation or decisions we've made and people we've gone to for help professionals. Um, because I desperately wanted that when we were in that situation we got diagnosed in 2013 and I, I didn't, couldn't find anybody. So <clears throat> I've, you know, it's been several years and I'm kind of, I've embraced it enough now. I don't, I certainly don't advertise it, you know, first time I meet somebody, but if, if it's relevant, I'm happy to talk to anybody. But, um, I haven't mentioned our two-year-old, our last little nugget. Um, (laughs) I prayed for years for another baby, and God answered my prayers. And um, in 2015, we had our last little guy, and he... The part that he plays in this story is that... It's kind of funny. I'm like, God has such a sense of humor. The ADHD hyperactivity is a fantastic match for a two-year-old boy. So our oldest is like on him constantly, watches him, plays with him. It's fantastic because <laughs> I'm exhausted and old and tired. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Why did I ask for this? No, I'm t- I'm t- I'd am say that, but I'm extremely grateful and I love him, love him. But, um, but we have this little two-year-old and went right before he was born, I kind of started praying vaguely. I knew I wanted to go back into ministry at some point. I wasn't sure what that would look like. And our big three were in school all day. And so now I had a baby again. And I thought maybe in five or six years, I'd go back to work on some level. And, um, God, again, once again, Elroy, the God who sees, he for could foresee that we were going to have a set of circumstances in 2016 that were, that would propel me to, um, to, it would be helpful if I had something part-time. So we had these uh, string of unexpected expenses, which is kind of like our storm in a sense where it was the strangest things. Like, I mean, over spring break, like we have a bunch of toilets and they like, every one of them was running the entire spring break when we were out of town. So we had like quadruple digit bill from the water company. It was insane. Like, and then, you know, the washer leaks and like down the walls into the second, you know, the basement. And then our AC unit goes out. I mean, it was just like, this is in the spring of 2016. It was just thing after thing after thing. And I hear I had a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old, and I started praying a little harder. I was like, you know, it'd be really nice if I could bring in, you know, a little bit of money to help take the edge off of all these extra expenses. And had those things not occurred, I wouldn't have been praying and preparing and been kind of looking for something. Um, and 
the last straw was um, when we were on our way to the beach in the summer of 2016. We had a van that was 10 years old. We'd already replaced the transmission. And we, we go to St. Augustine. So we were going Auburn. We go Auburn, Columbus, Albany, Tifton, you know, down on St. Augustine. And right about Albany, we were, the kids were like, the car's smoking. And we were like, we, so we, I mean, I don't know why we didn't notice it. I mean, he's, we're, he's driving. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, and so there's like smoke coming out of our van. And my husband and I like looked at each other and we were like, just drive. We don't care. Just get to the beach. Like it was one of those times where we just need to get away. And so we literally drove it to it till it died. We pulled into St. Augustine to this car shop <laughs> and they, I'm not even kidding. They recognized us cause we'd brought it in like a couple years before. And, and they were like, you still have this car. We were like, yes. And, um, and that transmission had gone out. So that was like four major things. And we suddenly needed a new car and, what is really cool is a couple of days prior to our trip, a lady had come over who's a friend of mine to visit, and she had brought with her a piece of paper. It was about like this big. And, and when she walked in the door, I was like, oh, no. She wants me to host like a home clothing show or something, like, which I love home clothing shows. I, I just don't want to host one because I had a little baby, you know, and a lot of friends have asked if I would host this skincare or jewelry or whatever. And I always just say, you know, no, because we do a lot of stuff ministry-wise in our house. And so, um, and I just don't trust the boys, the big boys. So I, the whole time we were talking and she had this thing in her hand, I was so worried. I was like, oh my word, how am I going to tell her no, that I'm not going to host this home clothing show. And so come to find out, she was coming to tell me about this ministry that had just been started called Women Business Leaders which is an outreach to women in the workplace. And uh, it's basically to support and encourage women that work, whether it's a home-based business, you know, corporate America, any kind of work. And I, I was like, she was telling me about it. And then, and then I was like, she handed me the brochure and I was like, Oh, <laughs> sure. I was like grabbing it, like looking at it. I was so relieved. It wasn't like a, cause it had girls with clothes on on the front. I mean, of course they had clothes on, but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so that's why I was thinking it was a clothing business. Um, and they look real chic and Birmingham's behind them. And I was like, Oh, that's what it is. So she was telling me about this ministry and how they needed a director, but it would be a part-time job. And, um, and so what is so astounding to me is that not only did the Lord, um, kind of prepare my heart through these set of crazy circumstances that we had never encountered anything like that. So close together in 15 years of marriage, um, to where I'd be prepared to, and, and kind of wanted to do something part-time. I had a little bit of time now that the big three were in school or so I thought <laughs> it gets eaten up so quickly, but, um, he provided, not only did he see, but he provided this amazing opportunity and to work with these women. And I, but there again is this problem of it didn't look like how I thought I am probably the least businessy person you could ever imagine. I've never had a business class a day in my life. I, I don't even half the time when the girls are talking about different things, especially financial. I'm like, I don't even know that those words are like, like things like a certain accounts. I don't even know that they're very businessy sounding. And, um, and so this opportunity did not look like what I thought, but I knew that the Lord had provided it. I knew that we had a need and, um, I just was 
kind of reluctantly. It was way before I thought I wanted to go back to work. I didn't want to do it, but I felt, you know, it was the thing to do. It was what I needed to do. And so it's been amazing to see God work in the lives of women in Birmingham. And we have a lot of small groups at different businesses. So if you have a friend who works or if you work or... Um, if you want to know more about it, it's basically there's different small groups and they meet during the the work day at lunch because women are so busy and it's hard to gather at night or before after work and before work. And I am just, I've just been amazed to see God's faithfulness. Uh, Um, there's probably every day I have this same set of circumstances where here's the truth and here's my circumstances. And I have tried to quit. I think I quit like the day after I took the job. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It was like, I took the job, like say on a Thursday and like on Tuesday I quit. I was like, I can't do this. This is so not my thing. I was like, and, um, and the Lord has just kind of like gently nudged me, you know, up there to keep going. So, um, just, I guess in closing, I just want to encourage you to remember and celebrate God's faithfulness. Um, and to take that steroid shot of truth that El Roy, the God who sees is near and, um, and he knows the exact intricacies of your situation and your circumstances. And, um, there's a, a guy at our church who used to share a lot years ago and he would always tell us his phrase was struggle well. And, um, I love that because it doesn't imply that you have success or that you've arrived, but rather your struggle in your faith is you're struggling to believe and to trust in the midst of circumstances that you wouldn't choose. Um, so I think that is it. And I appreciate y'all, um, listening and I have a little, happy little tiny mini little card for y'all. It's, um, what we had an artist paint this and we give it out to women in our ministry and it just says, live your story. And it's supposed to be something maybe for your car or your desk, or if you have a desk at home and just a reminder that the Lord sees where you are and he has a purpose for you. And, um, it's a good conversation starter also. And, um, hopefully just an encouragement to y'all this morning, just to live your story, whatever God has, um, given you. So that's all.